Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Well, hey there, my future paleontologist. I hope everybody is doing well. This is Dinosaur George, and I'm so glad that you have found the Dinosaur George Kids podcast. Just to give you a little brief information, my company's been around since 1997, and I have a traveling dinosaur museum, but because of COVID, we're not traveling as much. So we're working out of my studio. And today I'm going to record the second Dinosaur George Kids podcast. To give you some information about what we're going to be doing today, we are, of course, going to talk about our feature creature, which I'll be introducing in a moment. We're going to do some Who Would Win segments, and then we'll close with some Ask Dinosaur George questions. Now, let me explain. With the Who Would Win segment, you have to be a Tyrannosaur Patreon member to be able to submit those. If you want to become a Dinosaur George Patreon member, there's three different levels, the Triceratops Club, the Raptor Club, and the Tyrannosaurus Club. Tyrannosaurus members are the only ones that get to submit the Who Would Win segment. Now, if you want to submit a question for the Ask Dinosaur George segment, then that, anybody can submit a question for that. You don't have to be a club member to do that. And there's two ways you could submit those questions. One is to go to our website, dinosaurgeorge.com. Look at the top in the menu, and there is the Dinosaur George Kids podcast. Click on that. A little halfway down the page, you'll see a form where you could submit your questions. Again, you don't have to be a club member. This is open to anybody. You could submit a question. Now, those questions are, are chosen by random. So if you send one and we don't respond or you don't hear your question on a future podcast, send it again. You can send as many as you want. And keep in mind, make your questions kind of short and to the point. If you send a really, really, really long question, chances are we're not going to be able to do it because it takes up so much time. So when you submit your question, make sure to submit it uh, in nice short doesn't have to be like one or two words, but just just tell us exactly what you would like for me to answer. So again, if you want to submit a who would win segment, that you have to be a Patreon member to do it, uh, and you have to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex Patreon member to do it, or you can submit an Ask Dinosaur George question through our website, dinosaurgeorge.com, or you can also um, submit an Ask Dinosaur George question if you... Uh, join our Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. If you're part of that, and again, that's free, you can submit your questions there. So we're going to listen to a short little commercial. Then when we come back, we are going to do our feature creature. Become a 
a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. It's time for our Feature Creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Since my very first podcast, I made Allosaurus our feature creature because Allosaurus is my favorite dinosaur. I decided I would choose a dinosaur from the same time period, and that is Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus is a gigantic dinosaur, and it is a member of the sauropod family. Scientists put animals into family groups, and so sauropods is a group of dinosaurs that all share similar traits, meaning they all kind of sort of look the same. And so they fit into this family called sauropods. So when you say sauropod, you're simply talking about the long-necked dinosaurs. And Brachiosaurus is one of them. It was 70 feet long and it was 30 feet tall. Now, when I say 30 feet tall, it actually, if you count it all the way up to as high as it could hold its head up, that might be closer to 40 or 50 feet if it raised its neck as high as it could. Some scientists don't believe its neck stayed straight up in the air when it walked. It think it was, they think it was more bent over. So when I give you these sizes, you have to remember, it's something else I want you to remember. Every book you read, you might see a different size for the same animal. How come nobody knows what the size is? Well, because a couple of reasons. One, sometimes scientists don't find all the bones. And if a paleontologist doesn't find all the bones, then he or she does not know exactly how big the animal is. And even if we do find all the bones, when you put two bones together in your body, there is something between them called cartilage. It's kind of a rubbery material that keeps the bones from grinding against each other. Well, dinosaurs had cartilage between their backbones, their vertebra and their tail bones and their neck bones. And so if that was super thick, you would add a lot of length to the dinosaur just when you include the cartilage. If you don't include the cartilage and you simply measure the bones, then that makes the dinosaur shorter. Nobody can say for certain how long a dinosaur is. So when you hear me tell you the lengths, I am using the lengths that are most often uh, agreed upon by most paleontologists. Doesn't mean they're right, but it means that's the most legitimate size we can think of. So if you measured Brachiosaurus from the tip of its nose to its tail, it would be 70 feet long. And if you measured it to as high as its head would go, it would be 30, but maybe even up to 50 feet long. It weighed 115,000 pounds. An elephant weighs 7,000 pounds. 115,000 pounds. It lived in the time period called the late Jurassic, between 155 and 150 million years ago. 
Where did it live? We find them in Colorado, Utah, and Tanzania, Africa. Now, again, how do we find one in Colorado and Utah and then find a different one in Africa? How did it get to Africa? Because during the Jurassic period, the lands were connected and an animal could walk from North America to South America, South America to Antarctica, Antarctica to Australia. You could walk from North America to England and then England to France and France to Germany and Germany to in uh, to uh, not India to uh, Asia. You can't walk to India because it was an island. It was kind of floating around out there. So during this time period, you could walk. That's how we have two dinosaurs from the same um, two dinosaurs from two different areas that lived at the same time that are the same dinosaur. Their ancestors were able to walk. And why would why would they want to walk that far? I believe that sauropods had to migrate. They had to travel. They could not stay in one area for a long time because if they stayed in one area for a long time, they would eat all of the plants. There would be nothing left. And so they had to be able to keep moving, which was very important to the plants because you see, if Brachiosaurus ate any seeds from a tree or a plant, the seeds would not decompose in their tummy. The seed would pass through their body, and when they went to the bathroom, the seeds came out and was in the poop. And that was fertilizer, and that meant the tree could grow or the plant could grow. So Brachiosaurus is kind of like eating the leaves, but in return, it is spreading the seeds to different areas because if the seeds are in its tummy and it walks a long distance, when it goes to the bathroom and the seeds come out, it's just planted the seed in a new spot. They're helpful for the trees. The trees love them. They're like, here's my seeds. Good luck. Please take my babies as far away from here as you can. And plant them. And that's what Brachiosaurus was doing. Now, Brachiosaurus's long neck was perfect for reaching up into the trees. Sort of like a giraffe today. Giraffes have long necks so they can reach up high into the trees where nobody else can reach. So they get their own food. Same with Brachiosaurus. You know, Brachiosaurus lived with Diplodocus, or you might pronounce his name Diplodocus. They were both sauropods. But Diplodocus or Diplodocus's neck didn't go as high up as Brachiosaurus. And that meant those two giant dinosaurs could live side by side. One would eat way up in the top of the trees. The other would, would eat lower to the, to the middle and lower to the ground. So both of these giants could live together, but they didn't compete with each other. Now, I believe that Brachiosaurus was so big. When it was walking through a forest, I don't think it walked around the small trees. I think it just stepped right over them and knocked them down. And you know what I think would have happened? I think other plant-eating dinosaurs would have followed Brachiosaurus around. Because if Brachiosaurus knocks down a small tree, a dinosaur like Stegosaurus or Camptosaurus, they weren't tall enough to reach up into the higher trees. Brachiosaurus might be knocking down trees so that they can rush in and eat the leaves. 
from trees they could never reach. So I think wherever Brachiosaurus went, I think it had a little army of dinosaurs following it. You also want to know what I think? I think when Brachiosauruses were migrating and moving, I believe small meat eaters were walking ahead of them. I believe small meat eaters were walking ahead because as Brachiosauruses are walking, they're making the ground vibrate. And little lizards and snakes and tiny little furry mice-looking thing and bugs, they all would have come out of their hiding spots to get away from whatever was coming. And that's why the little meat eaters would be there to catch them. Now, the little meat eaters didn't dare bother Brachiosaurus. That dinosaur is simply too big. And Brachiosaurus didn't care about those little meat eaters. So imagine a herd of Brachiosauruses walking through the woods, snapping off trees, trees falling over. Behind them is a bunch of other plant-eating dinosaurs who are following behind so that they can eat, reach the leaves. The Brachiosauruses stop and reach the leaves at the highest trees and then keep going. In front of them is a group of little meat eaters who are running ahead to catch anything that comes out of its hiding spot. Brachiosaur, and you know what else I think? I think pterosaurs, the flying reptiles, would have used Brachiosaurus like a giant aircraft carrier. They could land on its back and get a free ride. They would crawl all over the Brachiosaurus and pick off parasites. Parasites are like little little insects or little bugs that like to live on other animals. Like a mosquito is a parasite. A flea is a parasite. A tick is a parasite. Well, the little pterosaurs would run around and catch those parasites and eat them. It was lunch. The Brachiosaurus loved them. Like, good job, you guys. Get rid of those things. I can't scratch. I don't have arms. I can't scratch my back. So the little pterosaurs get protection and a free meal, and they get to travel for free. And Brachiosaurus gets a little cleaning crew that likes to land on them and pick off all the little parasites. That's how nature works, my friends. Nature works that way. A lot of plants and animals work together in harmony, and that's called the circle of life. It's the environment. It's how things work. The plants grow tall. Brachiosaurus is naked tall. He can still reach up into the trees and eat the leaves. Brachiosaurus might eat seeds from certain plants, and those seeds go through its digestive system. That means into its tummy and then to its intestines. But the seeds come out the other end with the poo. And it's plants. They plant. They're planted. Now they get to grow. So more plants are there. So more animals can survive. And plants make oxygen. So plants are important. So Brachiosaurus is a very important dinosaur because, and we know it traveled, right? Because it was found in Africa and North America. That's a long way to travel. Finally, let me tell you the interesting things about Brachiosaurus, not just its size. Listen, it's a big, big dinosaur. Meat eaters would not mess with grown-up Brachiosauruses. I don't think the meat eaters would even mess with uh, like teenage Brachiosauruses. They were too big by then. But the baby Brachiosauruses would have been in danger. I believe that baby Brachiosauruses spent most of their day hiding under mom's tummy. 
If danger approached, they would run and stand under mom. Meat eaters would look and go, uh, I'm not going to go attack those babies. That mom might step on me. If she steps on me, I'm done. If she hits me with her tail, I'm done. So I think baby Brachiosauruses stayed with mom until they were big enough to defend themselves. And that might be around maybe age five or six. Some scientists think Brachiosauruses might have lived to be a hundred years old. One hundred years old! It took a long time to grow as big as they did. So I think the babies would have grew pretty fast because they needed to. It was a dangerous world. Allosaurus, Torvosaurus, Sorophaganax, Ceratosaurus. Those carnivores are living with baby Brachiosauruses. Baby Brachiosauruses had to grow quickly. So I think they grew very quickly at first. And then once they were about six or seven years old, they were probably big enough to take care of themselves. And remember I told you I think that the adult Brachiosauruses could knock down trees when they were walking? They didn't want to walk around those trees. It would take them forever to get through the forest. Now, they're really big trees. They can't knock the big ones down. But hey, if they're going somewhere, they're not going to walk around smaller trees. They're just going to walk over them. But remember I said that plant-eating dinosaurs, other plant-eating dinosaurs would follow Brachiosaurus to get those leaves? Well, who else do you think was getting those leaves? Oh, yes, the babies. What if mom was, or even dad, was knocking down those trees to feed the babies? The babies can't reach way up into the tops of those trees. So mom and dad may have knocked down a tree and baby is like, it's a buffet. Woohoo! All you can eat leaves. Yeah. Maybe they should make a restaurant called Chucky Leaves. Get it? Chucky Cheese? Chucky leaves. Okay, that was a terrible joke. I'm sorry I even told that joke, but it was great when I thought it up in my head. <laughs> so, Brachiosaurus is an amazing dinosaur. One last thing I want to talk about, the nostrils on top of its head. That bump on top of its head between its eyes, that's not a horn. That's its nostrils. Its nostrils are on top of its head. Why? You want to know my guess? They ate leaves from conifer trees. Conifer trees kind of look like Christmas trees with pointy little needles instead of big flat leaves. If you stuck your face into one of those limbs to eat those leaves, you wouldn't want those things going up your nose. So maybe Brachiosaurus's nostrils were on top of its head so that when it stuck its face in there to eat, it didn't get leaves up the nose. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is just my guess. So that, my friends, was your feature creature, Brachiosaurus, one of the most amazing, amazing dinosaurs that ever lived. Let's take a break. And when we come back, who would win? Do you or someone you know like fossils, rocks and minerals? Our web store is filled with amazing crystals, geodes, real fossils, and replica dinosaur claws, teeth, and more. Our prices are affordable, and we do not add excessive shipping fees. Go to dinosaurgeorge.com and order your items today. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? 
Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, my little friends. Let the battle begin. It is time to find out who would win. Now, remember, if you want to submit a who would win challenge, you have to be a T-Rex member of the Patreon group. So let's go. This first one is Noah, who is one of the original Patreon club members and a very good friend and a very intelligent young man. Noah wants to know, oh, this one's a good one. Who would win? Andrukotherium versus Diplodocus. Okay, if you don't know who Andrukotherium is, that kind of goes by three names. Belucotherium, Andrukotherium, and Paraceratherium. It was a gigantic relative of rhinoceroses. It was the largest land-dwelling mammal that ever existed. This is a rhino who was nearly three times the size of a modern elephant. This is a this is an animal that if it was standing on your front lawn, it could look through your upstairs window of your house. So that's one. His other challenger is Diplodocus, the giant sauropod. We talked about Diplodocus. Diplodocus has a very long neck and a very long tail. Let's size them up. Here we go. And Drickotherium, first of all, it's got that gigantic thick hide like a rhinoceros. It's going to be hard to inflict damage into this thing because its skin is so thick. And it's big. And although it was giant, it was probably relatively fast. It has four, walks on four legs, but it those legs are close together, meaning that it could turn very quickly. It could spin very quickly. I think a Drickotherium is going to be a massive animal to mess with. Next to it, it's, it's Challenger in the other corner, Diplodocus or Diplodocus or Diplodocus, however you want to pronounce it. This is a titan of the dinosaurs. Diplodocus lived in the Jurassic, and it is an enormous dinosaur with a huge-like tail that would have been a weapon. And let's look at that weapon. That whip-like tail could have inflicted tremendous damage. Just the sound alone would have been a terrifying weapon. Imagine that dinosaur turns sideways and snaps that tail. It would have sounded like a clap of thunder. That may be enough to scare off anything. But between these two, I believe that if Andrukotherium ever knocked Diplodocus down, let's say comes running in and puts its head down and shoves, if it ever knocks Diplodocus down, I don't think Diplodocus is going to get up very easily. And that's going to make Andrukotherium the winner, in my opinion. All right, a little Bridget, one of my favorite, one of my all-time favorite Tyrannosaur members. Bridget asked, oh. Bridget, why did you give me this one? Listen to this. A three-way battle between Allosaurus versus T-Rex versus Spinosaurus. This is going to be a dino melee. This is go- You do not want to be in the ring when they unleash these three. First of all, Allosaurus is going to have speed on its side, and it's going to have long claws, long arms with big claws. Allosaurus is going to be the speedster. T-Rex is the brute. This thing is coming into this battle with tremendously powerful jaws and a massively heavy body. And then you have Spinosaurus, who is simply gigantic in size. 
It's got that long tail that was probably very flexible that could have been used as a weapon. It's got an extended long nose with very sharp teeth, and it's got big claws and big hands. Everyone knows Allosaurus is my favorite, but unfortunately, Allosaurus is the first one to go out in this fight. Because if T-Rex or Spinosaurus ever get their mouth or hands on him, he's doomed. Bye-bye, Allosaurus. First victim in this three-way melee. Next comes Tyrannosaurus Rex and Spinosaurus. Now you have two massive theropods facing off. If T-Rex ever grabs Spinosaurus with those massively powerful jaws, it is going to crunch until it's dead. But if Spinosaurus could keep T-Rex away by using that long snout to take bites out of him and slashing with its hands, Spinosaurus has a chance. But... It's not fair for me to not pick a winner. So in the three-way melee proposed by Ms. Bridget, I have to say, the king of the dinosaurs is the winner of this fight. Wow. What an incredible battle that would be. All right, let's answer some Ask DG questions. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right. Now remember... For the Ask Dinosaur George questions, you do not have to be a club member. You can go straight to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com. Click on the, at the top of the page, it says Dinosaur George Kids Podcast. Click on that page, go down a little ways, and you'll see the form that you can fill out and send it. And then if your question is chosen, I'll read it on the air. Or if you want to go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, you can post questions there. This first question comes from one of my absolute favorite, absolute favorite Patreon club member. This is little Cece from Ontario, Canada. Cece says, where do the uh, Despletosaurus herds go to eat? And do they migrate to find near food, uh, find new food? Good question, Cece. Well, first, where they go to eat is wherever the plant eaters are. So they're going to go to places like by a lake or a river or a forest where they know the plant eaters are going to show up so they can catch them and eat them. And do they migrate? I think they did, Cece. I think Despletosaurus, and by the way, if you don't know who Despletosaurus is, that is a very large theropod, a carnivore that lived a little bit before Tyrannosaurus rex. Despletosaurus was the, was the brute of its time. And then T-Rex was, comes along and is even bigger. But Despletosaurus probably had to follow the food. I believe that dinosaurs migrated. I think almost all dinosaurs constantly were on the move. Because if they stayed in one area too long, they would eat everything. They had to keep moving. And when you move to another place where you just were, the food gets to grow back. So when you come back to that spot, there's new food. So I think this Pletosaurus had to, but here's the problem with migrating when you're a carnivore. That brings you into other carnivores' territory. This Pletosaurus had to be worried because some of those bigger 
if a bigger Displetosaurus sees him, he doesn't want him in his territory. So he had to be very careful. They had to be very careful when they did. Thank you for writing, Cece. Okay, Caden uh, from Cobble, here, Cobble Hill, British Columbia in Canada. Another Canada, Canadian group. Hi, DG. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Caden. Hope you are. Why do you think Nanotyrannus had such long arms? I think they were used to grab and slash prey. What do you think? Caden, uh, that's a very good question. Now, Nanotyrannus arms are not very long, Caden. They're actually pretty short. They look just a lot like Tyrannosaurus rex. Some scientists believe Tyrannosaurus rex and Nanotyrannus are the same animal. I don't believe that. I believe Nanotyrannus is a separate species. And a new, uh, some new news recently, a long time ago, some people found two dinosaurs that were looked like they were fighting when they died. They call them the dueling dinosaurs. At the time, they said one looks like a Nanotyrannus and the other looks like a Pachyrhinosaurus. Now, all of the newspaper articles I'm reading all call them T-Rex and Triceratops. I don't think they are. I think now that scientists are able to get access to this, I believe that they're going to verify Nanotyrannus is its own species. But anyway, so I don't think so. But to your point, Caden, if they those hands were still powerful, don't, don't think they were weak. So they had to be used for something. Grabbing prey might be one. If you're fighting somebody big and you're holding them close to you, that might be one. Slashing is, is probably not the thing that they did with them, Caden, because their arms are not built that way. Their arms, kind, th- their little hands kind of point in towards their chest when they're standing there. Like if you're, if you're standing up, take your two arms, put them out in front of you and touch the tips of your fingers together. The palms of your hands should be facing your chest or your tummy. That's the way Nanotyrannus's hands were. They weren't facing down like it couldn't play the piano. It could give you a hug, but it couldn't play the piano. So it's not going to be as effective slashing, but those hands and arms are used for something, Caden. I just don't know what, but hopefully with this new discovery, maybe they'll figure it out. Okay, Trevor from Tecumseh, Oklahoma. I have a theory to the little gray area of when the dinosaurs in the late Jurassic went extinct. My theory is that a global pandemic happened, which is untraceable due to the virus unable to multiply when every dinosaur was gone. Trevor, that's a very interesting point. At the end of the Jurassic, there was an extinction. Brachiosaurus, Diplodocus, Ceratosaurus, Allosaurus, Saurophaganax, um, uh, Torvosaurus, those, oh, Stegosaurus, they all went extinct. Something happened. So to your point, could it have been a global pandemic? That's possible. But if it was possible, then it would have had to have been spread by pterosaurs. Because if a virus is deadly, strong enough to kill an animal as big as a dinosaur, those dinosaurs I mentioned, then those dinosaurs couldn't travel far enough around the world to spread it. If one of them got it, most of them would be dead before they ever traveled a great distance. Pterosaurs, on the other hand, could spread the disease. They could certainly, if they had it, they could travel a long distance before the disease killed them. They could travel a long distance. Remember when I was doing the feature creature about Brachiosaurus and I said little pterosaurs could land on the back of Brachiosaurus and pick off parasites? Well, if Brachiosaurus had cuts in its skin, those little pterosaurs could go in there and clean that wound. But let's say they have a virus on their beak. When they go in there and clean the wound, they could give that virus to the Brachiosaurus. 
And so it's certainly possible disease has always played a role when it comes to dinosaurs and all animals. All animals are susceptible to disease, and it is certainly possible. Finally, Jeffrey from Fremont, California. Hello, Dinosaur George. Hello, Jeffrey. How did Tyrannosaurus hunt Alamosaurus? Alamosaurus is a big sauropod that happened to make it all the way into the Cretaceous. Most sauropods died at the end of the Jurassic, but Alamosaurus made it. So, like I said with Brachiosaurus, I don't think carnivores would have messed with these big, big sauropods, and Alamosaurus was big. So I don't think they would have messed with them. Now, had they seen babies or very young Alamosaurus, absolutely, I think they would have attacked them. And to do that, assuming that the babies are with mom and dad or the family, T-Rexes had to be incredibly careful. Because let's say there's a herd of 15 or 20 Alamosauruses and there's only four or five babies. Every adult is coming to the aid of those babies. Every adult is looking for danger. When they see danger approaching, they're going to step up to it, swing those big, powerful tails and stomp those feet. Tyrannosaurus rex would have to run through all of that, those tails and feet just to hope to get in there and get a bite on the little one. I think Tyrannosauruses would have hunted Alamosaurus by waiting for them to go to the watering holes to get a drink. If Alamosaurus waded out into the water, the babies aren't going to go as far as the adults because the adults are taller. They can go in deeper water. I think Alos, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Tyrannosaurus would have rushed out and attacked the baby while it was in the shallow water. T-Rex would literally run out into the water to bite it. All it has to do is to bite it and injure it. It doesn't have to kill it right away because when those adults see them, they're going to come back to protect them, but the water's going to slow them down a little bit. So I think the only way they would be able to do that would be to ambush the babies when they weren't when the when the adults weren't prepared hope that a baby wandered away or wait till the baby goes to drink and one last thing i want you all to remember meat eaters are not bad mean or evil they hunt because they have a very important job their job is to help the herd survive remember how i said Brachiosaurus is eating leaves, and you think that would hurt the tree, but really, by swallowing the seeds, Brachiosaurus is helping the trees by spreading the seeds all over the country and making sure they grow. So meat eaters help the plant eaters. If a herd has one plant eater that is sick with some kind of virus, they don't want that dinosaur with them because he or she could make them all sick. That sick one is going to walk slower than everybody else. That's who the carnivores are going to focus on. And they could eat the viruses without getting the virus. Eating a virus isn't dangerous. Getting a virus in your blood system is dangerous. So when I talk about Tyrannosaurus hunting Alamosaurus, you have to remember it sounds bad and you feel sorry for the baby Alamosaurus, but you have to remember that without the carnivores, there would be too many herbivores. And if there's too many herbivores, they would eat all of the plants and there would be no life left on earth. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed today's. I look forward to getting your um, uh, 
Ask DG questions submitted. I'd love to answer more of them. And for all of my Patreon club members, I appreciate you all very, very much. And if you would like to join Patreon, go to dinosaurgeorge.com and you can see a link to Patreon at the bottom of the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. Go down to the bottom of the page and there's a link. Until next time, everybody, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Tell your parents and your guardians that you love them because it's very important that they know how much you love them because they show you every day how much they love you. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.